guys, welcome to season two, episode one of Tick Tech Talk. I'm Candace. And I'm Rob. And I'm Tiffany. Welcome. So there's a new voice on our podcast right now. So before we dive into our hot summer tech, uh, we kind of do want some basic housekeeping for this brand new season. And so we kind of want to introduce our brand new producer. So hi, Tiffany. Hello, Candace and Rob. Hello. And hello to the Tick Tech Talk listeners. Uh, my name's Tiffany. I'm here to be the new producer, like Candace said. Um, I also go to the same school that Candace Rob go to, but as a biomedical engineer, so I think I definitely bring the other aspect of not really knowing technology, but always uh, looking to learn more. And um, so I guess the other thing about this is, what's my favorite piece of technology? Yeah, we like to kind of do it as like an initiation for anyone on our show, but what is your current favorite piece of technology? Before you pledge, tau, tau, tau. Okay, so for anybody who doesn't know me very well, I really like Hello Kitty. And this year, I actually purchased a uh, Hello Kitty Instax Fujifilm camera. I'm very excited about it. I love taking pictures and Polaroids and hanging them up in my room. She is a typical college student, like a <laughs> college girl. Um, Sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. Yeah, welcome. And so what Tiffany actually will be in charge of, she'll be speaking uh, sometimes into our show. She's always welcome to bring in her opinions. But um, our wonderful previous producer has graduated and relocated to an area that's a little bit less convenient for her to have a bigger impact on the show. So rest in peace. Rest in peace. You are dead to TikTok. <laughs> anyway. She's in New York City. She's not dead. We're just kidding. Um, but Tiffany's responsibilities include taking these show notes. So when you'll find the episode, uh, Tiffany will link to the camera that she did buy, and you'll see that it is very largely Hello Kitty. Um, <laughs> but she'll be doing show notes for you guys to be able to click the links and everything. Um, she'll be doing a lot of our outreach, social media, um, other things as well. Mm -hmm. So. Welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you join our family. Yes, thank you so much, Tiffany. Thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> so, uh, going from there, me and Candace both had excellent summers, very exciting. And we want to recap some of the cool purchases we made, how that text impacted us. You mean hot purchases? Sorry, some hot purchases that we made during a hot summer with hot summer tech, and how they impacted us and kind of the effects they had during the summer. Um, so, I'm going to start. Uh, this summer, probably the biggest purchase I made was I bought the iPad Pro. Um, if you follow us in season one, you know we interviewed a guy with an iPad Pro. We talked about it at length. Um, and truthfully, it was my first step into tablet computing. I'd never had something like it before. Um, I'd had a touchscreen Lenovo my freshman year here, but I decided to, take, to make the switch. And um, so far, so good. I'm really happy with it. It's been great for taking notes in class. Um, I'm loving the battery life on it. And I'm really just trying to figure out new ways that I can make it um, fit the role of my PC when I'm in a place like the classroom where that longer battery life and that um, not windowed, for lack of a better yeah. word, operating system, more like task-focused um, design can really benefit me. Uh, so far, I think it's been great. I definitely am more focused in my classes, but um, I'm still learning. So, open so which, feedback. So which iPad Pro did you buy specifically just for the, the uh. gadget heads who are listening? <laughs> Yes, I bought the 9.7-inch iPad Pro, uh, 128 gigabytes of storage with the keyboard cover and the pencil. So we have almost identical setups now, which is really yes. exciting. And especially from that previous episode about the iPad Pro, you kind of see more on the fence. And I remember at one point that you did buy an iPad mini for your family, and you were mm -hmm. holding that for a while. But yeah, I'm interested, like, are you taking more computer science classes uh, or more you know, other types of classes? And like, when do you open the laptop versus pull out the iPad? That's a good question. So. Um, I, I, we've discussed this before, but my typical note-taking style is generally to not take notes, um, especially when the slides are given after the fact. I like to just go over those at my leisure and pay attention to the lecture when it's going on. Um, 
That said, though, I have a number of classes this semester where the slides are not distributed after class, so I'm forced to take notes. Um, in my distributed systems class, the iPad has proved invaluable. Today, we had to duplicate a diagram, and the teacher had to go through and write it again. And I could just copy-paste, write notability. So that was super awesome. Um, and that's really where I'm finding the most benefit. We're also doing some Lambda calculus stuff in um, my programming, system, programming languages course. So that's been really great because, you know, it'd be a pain to type all those symbols, the lambdas, the alphas, the omegas, yeah. things of that nature. So it's definitely easier for that. I can just draw them and I, you know, it's much more easy. It's much easier to interact with. Um, kind of like a sheet of paper with the pencil and everything. So I'm really yeah. enjoying that. That's been the biggest benefit so far. Yeah, that's a new semester for me too. I've taken a couple more business classes where we just think about concepts and they're not directly on a PowerPoint slide, but it's almost like a magical piece of paper once you experience something like Notability, which is, it's not the prettiest app, I can say that. Like I've always been tempted to try apps that look more glamorous, but there's something so functional about Notability and the way it works. It's working always expected. It has like the cut, copy and paste and the different colors and stuff. It's been invaluable even for this first week of school too. I think for me, the biggest challenges right now are I take these notes and how do I organize them? What do I do with them? Yeah. I know you work with Evernote a lot, so I'm gonna have to interview you later. Because yeah. I have this collection of notes and notability, but yeah. I, um, I wanna back them up or something. Um, I know Notabil or Evernote rather does handwriting recognition, so I'm kind of playing with that, seeing how I can yeah. best access my material and make it indexable, searchable. So yeah. um, I'm playing with that and trying to use it as my new computer. But so far, I really like it. It's been really fun, and I think it's been absolutely fascinating um, I definitely probably should have tried this earlier, but seeing how mobile computing has really caught up to the desktop, um, I could definitely see the use cases for an iPad as a full-time computer. Yeah, and uh, even for this semester, I've tried to, I don't want this to turn into like another iPad episode, we might do that down in the pipeline, but I'm taking five classes now, and I can say for at least four of them, I can safely not bring my laptop. Wow. And so I've reduced a lot of the weight of my computer because it's really done so much, and um, even accessing our LMS has gotten a little bit easier because the browser is becoming more reliable. But I have one professor who's actually completely relying on Google Drive. It's kind of like the LMS system. So just copying PDFs and the robustness of iOS 9 and extensions makes me really excited for iOS 10. Um, but that pencil and taking those notes, and I'm a very visual thinker um, and communicator, and so just being to open it up, kind of like a notepad, copy and paste things, um, it's still the device that brings the light, and I thought that was gonna kind of disappear as the purchase kind of went away, that new purchase feeling. But every single day, I look forward to opening the iPad with the keyboard and the pencil, and I don't feel that same joy anymore with my MacBook Pro. Interesting. So I ask then, you said four out of five use the iPad for. Yeah. Is the computer a requirement for the fifth class? Yeah. Okay. It's a database course, so it actually, the trickier things, I actually have to find a, a way to install Windows. So it's a very specific use case, uh, uh. and it's just meant to fill a graduation requirement for my IT degree. But even while I was working full time as you know an IT intern, I never, I really could get away with just using an iPad if I wanted to. And I know Apple's big push is to go into enterprise and kind of be that new PC for the modern day worker. I don't think it's to that point, but if you're a, a student, you can get away with a lot of doing this stuff on the iPad. Interesting. The big limitation I run into is professors that distribute their slides in PowerPoint format because I can't directly download those from Safari on my iPad. Or maybe I'm doing something wrong. Oh, I can't wait to show you because there's an open-end function from our LMS systems. Really? And if you import it into Notability, it auto-converts it into PDF. Okay, so clearly I need to take some lessons from Candace, but that was definitely my big purchase this summer. Um, should I go through all mine or would you like to go back and forth? We can go back and forth because my uh, really big one is something a little bit different, but mine is the Canon G7X Mark II. Ooh. Um, and for anyone who doesn't know, this is uh, the follow-up to Canon's really successful point-and-shoot camera. 
and it was meant to be a direct competitor with the Sony RX100 series. Mm -hmm. So currently in the camera market, you have your full frame DSLRs, you know, the 70D, the Canons, the uh, Sony A7R2s. A lot of the YouTubers are making a lot of their sit down content with are with these DSLRs. So you things like mirrorless cameras and stuff. Um, and then a lot of bloggers, and we even know that Casey Neistat and people mm -hmm. like that use either the RX100 or the G7X. Um, but I decided to wait and have Canon's sequel, and I'm in absolute love with it. So, Candace, talk with your use cases, because I know um, you have a big history with doing video production. Your yeah. YouTube channel is pretty popular, but um, I know you also kind of do amateur photography, stuff like that. So, yeah. what is your use case for this camera, and how do you like balance it with some of your mobile photography and things yeah, like that? Yeah, that's a great question, and that was one that I even wanted to answer uh, before about the camera, right? I'm a big proponent. I love iPhone photography. I love the apps and stuff, and that can be another topic in itself, so it's become a race of fascination. Um, but I realized that there's still a, a big quality difference between what you take on your iPhone and with a digital camera. Um, and having spent a semester abroad and traveling, being able to go through Europe, and having plans in the future to travel more, I realized that I never brought my camera with me, it was too heavy. So I owned a Canon T2i, which is actually a full-size DSLR, downsized to a Sony mirrorless camera, which is slightly smaller. But I didn't realize with that size, I didn't want to bring it. I remember just locking it up in my safe in the hotel and not bringing mm -hmm. it and being okay with iPhone pictures. And I realized that we're in a prime time of our life where this is probably the most we'll ever travel. And so I don't want to regret not having high quality enough pictures to remember these moments and maybe blow up one day for a decoration in my house. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to find the best small camera without the compromises. And so that's kind of what pushed me. Um, I know there's like camera attachments that go onto iPhones, like the Sony one and the DXO1 or something. Oh yeah, there's tons. Um, but I feel like something like that is too much of a compromise. I don't mind carrying something that's dedicated if the quality is really good. Um, and so that's really my main rationale. Um, also the Canon, this Canon series and also the Sony RX100, they're known for doing pretty good enough video. And so when I do dabble in video, um, the quality is good enough. I've never seen an issue with quality degrading. Very interesting. Yeah. It's exciting. I'm excited to see some of these pictures that are coming out. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I feel like I'm kind of cheating because uh, I do post some of the pictures I've taken with my uh, camera on Instagram. I know some people are very iPhone only. Uh, but probably my favorite feature about the camera, which I would think would be janky, is a lot of new cameras are coming out with built-in Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. So what it does is it creates its own sub-Wi-Fi network built into the camera. You connect to it, and then using their proprietary app, you're able to download it. And so I thought it was going to be kind of like janky, and Canon's not known for doing you know great UI. I thought yeah. maybe it would download not a great JPEG or something. There's a compromised experience. But truthfully, it's been so much more convenient doing that than having to plug in that Lightning USB adapter or that Lightning SD card adapter. But it's probably my favorite feature. It's really wow. reliable. It's super fast. I've transferred 50 to 100 pictures under 5 or 10 minutes. And it's so nice to then bring it into the phone where there's a really great mobile photo editing. And no um, wires. And no wires, yeah. So a couple times I've just taken pictures, downloaded them all, and shown people. And they're like, where did these pictures come from? <laughs> so... I know that I don't. I believe in consolidating a lot of our technology, and I believe that the iPhone camera will only get better, especially with this new refresh probably coming down uh, this year. But there is still a joy, and it's still uh, an upgrade in quality when you use a dedicated camera. Hmm. That's really interesting. It's something I'm definitely not in the market for right now, but it sounds like I probably should be looking forward in my life too. I'm not definitely not as well traveled as you, and I would like to be someday. Yeah, but a goal for me, Candace. It'll be fun. Once you get the camera, then the, the desire to buy the plane tickets probably will start to. And then it's a giant death money spiral from there. <laughs> Fair enough. So something else I grabbed this summer, um, probably not my most exciting piece of technology, but definitely one of my most used, and something we should definitely talk about, having not podcasted all summer, 
Um, I use my battery pack a ton this summer. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, being in a new state and exploring that, I definitely use that a lot just for traveling and things like that, so kind of my equivalent of your camera. But um, more so, I actually found a lot of use playing Pokemon Go. The app of the summer we've agreed to, right? Hot app of the summer. <laughs> um, but we're both, we were both players of Pokemon Go. What team were you? I was, I'm team Red. Team. Oh, God. Team Valor. Oh, you're Team Valor. How about no, you? Red is Team Valor. Oh, okay, what are you? I'm Team Instinct. You're one of the very few people that I know <laughs> who Team Instinct. So. Believe it or not, my close circle of friends when I was playing went all in Team Instinct. So I thought I was, you know, cool. And both of my sisters are Team Instinct, so I'll just say it's a family thing. No, like, even, remember they made fun of the mascot? You know, they raised those, like, those three avatars, and the one from Instinct just looked perpetually <laughs> lost and giddy. There was, like, a whole joke about it, too. That's so funny. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, was it the best choice? Maybe not, but I'm going to stick with it because that's the kind of person I'm dedicated to my team. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You have to restart anyway if you decide to go back <laughs> and that to too. level five. And I'm pretty happy with my Pokemon. Um, but, yeah, I actually, funny story is I also bought a new battery pack, but that was just because I wanted to get an upgrade, and then I sold my old one. But which battery pack did you get specifically? Um, I know it's an anchor model. I wasn't that big, maybe 5,000 milliamps. It's um, like the size of a roll of quarters or something. It's pretty small, but I love it. It's super easy to just slip in my pocket, and I can play for, like, I don't know, 10 hours or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's one of those pieces of gadgets that I keep buying more of because I just love the idea of its utility. Mm -hmm. And so... I will admit now publicly, because I've told a couple of people and they've horrified, <laughs> I own a lot of Anchor stuff, and I own at least three or four Anchor battery packs. And how big are they? So the one that's actually currently plugged into my iPad is the one I upgraded to this summer, and it's their 20,000 milliamp model. So <laughs> I had the 13,000 one, that was my main battery pack, which I brought with me on study abroad. Um, they were having like, I think it was Amazon Prime Day or something, uh -huh. and they had this one on sale. So I picked it up. It's slightly longer, it's slightly heavier, but that capacity is nuts. I've only had to charge it twice since I've gotten it. Wow. Is this the biggest battery they make? I think they make a 26,000 one. And, like, now I'm just getting, like, I don't even need that much. I'm just getting envy from, like, capacity envy. I'm not sure if that exists. Um, <laughs> but I also realized that I, I guess going along with it, too, is I own a lot of their multi-port chargers, too. Mm -hmm. And just doing a mental count from the top of my head, I own the two-port, the four-port, three, five-ports, a six-port, and like I'm eyeing the 10 port one. Anchor, if you're listening, this is a great podcast for your sponsor. We're clearly big fans because mine is an Anchor battery pack too. Yeah, and Anchor, I have sold so many of your battery packs, so you can uh, find us on Twitter on Tech Tech Show. <laughs> Side note, but yeah, I think it's a great investment. I, it's sometimes funny if you go somewhere, you know, if you go to like a amusement park or if you go somewhere that you know you're paying a lot of money for limited time, um, people stuck to an outlet, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just a simple solution of even buying like a $10 battery pack. And you can get Anchor ones for $10. Yeah, it's they're pretty reasonable. It's a simple solution to a, a really common problem. So uh, kind of going off a little bit from our hot summer tech, I think we should talk about Pokemon Go. I mean, yeah, is it the same, is it in the same position it is now or that yeah. it was in the summer? Maybe not. But I mean, at the time, like that was huge. It's nuts. Yeah. Why do you think it caught on so much? I'm definitely a big believer and also a big fan of nostalgia. Like, mm -hmm. I'm the person to watch countdowns of the top 2000s music videos. Like, just bringing those sounds of childhood and, like, things I hold dear and we hold these memories. You know, the idea of Pokemon has been so beloved, especially for our generation, right? The millennials, the mm -hmm. kids that grew up in the, into the late 90s and 2000s. So that combination with, I think it lived up to the hype. Remember that video came out a year ago and people didn't believe that the virtual reality and mm -hmm. the, the gaming mechanism was good enough? It pretty much lived to it. That's my argument. I would have to disagree with that partially. So 
I definitely agree the Pokemon nostalgia kicked in hard. Yeah. Um, having been familiar with Niantic before in their previous game, Ingress, yeah. um, I, 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 was, I was satisfied with the gameplay, but personally, I felt Pokemon Go was a little bit... Um, a little bit limited, for like lack of a better word. Almost. It, it was a solid game, but as somebody who played the Game Boy games, uh, was a huge fan growing up. It was, yeah. you know, I, I just wanted a little bit more, a little bit of interaction with my Pokemon themselves. Yeah. I feel like I was just collecting them. But that said, I still love the game. And the reason I loved it um, is because it just it was something to do. Like, I yeah. feel like Pokemon was a great catalyst to get people involved, but um, a great anecdote on this would be I went to visit my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. and my aunt, who has to be 60-something, we were all playing Pokemon Go, me and my sisters. She saw us. She joined in. And the next day, like, we couldn't get off of her phone. We went to see a tour of this, like, historic town. And the tour guide actually yelled at my aunt, who had to have been, on like, the phone. Yeah. on the phone, music blaring. She doesn't know how to silence her Android phone, playing Pokemon Go, catching a Pidgey on the tour guide. Yeah. It was, it was great. But, you know, the game, I feel like, is irrelevant. She knows nothing about Pokemon. Yeah. The fun part was all her nieces and nephews were doing it. And we were just having a great time walking around town, exploring, just doing something together. You know, it doesn't matter that the game was limited even. It was just, it was something to do. And because everybody was playing it, I think it just made it more fun. And I, get, I think a great effect was it got people going and like moving around. And I definitely, I hate walking. And it got me to walk, you know, the 10,000 steps that I always recommend that I walked around the college campus that I live nearby. And I think if anything, if it doesn't prove to be the exact thing that we thought of, it's a perfect proof of concept of, the right way of gamifying activity, right? People mm-hmm. have Fitbits and people have Apple Watches. And, you know, fulfilling those circles or hitting the 10,000 or being against friends is one step. And I think Pokemon Go forcing you to go to the geographic location is that next level thinking. And that combination of augmented reality is the perfect combo. One of the best uh, comments about that I heard was a student introduced himself in a class and they said their favorite hobby was orienteering. And the class is like, what's that? And he's like, oh, well, it's pretty much what Pokemon Go is now. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I thought that was pretty interesting, but I, I would agree. I think the effects of the game are generally positive, and it really set the tone for you know how big mobile gaming can be. Um, not that we had known it was big before, but I mean this was kind of a new level. I feel it like. was like a phenomenon, it. like news, New York Times, all of Reddit, and the level of engagement because it was not only a mobile game, but it was you know a, a physical game, uh, yeah. a game that required a lot of engagement, much more than just tapping on your screen with your clan. So I thought it was really interesting. It was like a perfect storm of circumstances, too, because this wouldn't have happened five years ago because we mm-hmm. wouldn't have had the technology to do it, right? We wouldn't have the right devices or the right network or even, you know, what Ingress did earlier to build the foundation for the yeah. game and stuff. Yeah, build all the data. Yeah, so it's... it was a perfect storm of also, like, most of the people who loved Pokemon as a child are, like, now old enough to be adults that pay for cell phones mm-hmm. and have the budget to explore and live in new urban areas and stuff like that, too. Yeah. Uh, but going with the positive side, maybe spinning it now, like, are you playing as often? What are your thoughts on Pokemon Go now? <sighs> Not to drag Niantic through the mud, but after they modified the tracker and yeah. cracked down some of those tracking systems, my playtime definitely decreased. Um, I understand why they did it. They wanted to, you know, keep the experience with them. Um, that said, I, I think, you know, they're trying very hard to keep it, like, as a game. I, I sometimes wonder if all the fitness aspects and the exploring almost unexpected you know yeah. like the choices they made made me make me think they want it to be this other type of game than what it initially was mm-hmm. you know so i would give them credit for squashing the bugs and making the servers better but they distracted away from like some of the exploring i think yeah and i don't i use the pokey vision when it was still available and i like that aspect because 
I don't think it took away from the value of the game. It still yeah. forced me to go into the area in that time. And Pokevision was the one that had the timestamp, so mm -hmm. you know, like three minutes from now, that Pikachu X blocks away, we're going to disappear. That still caused me to go over to the area and find it. Um, especially with this new tracker, I honestly stopped playing when they started banning those um, apps that use the API to gather that information because. Especially, I don't even know how it works at this point, right? It just Pokemon are nearby. Yeah, it just tells you nearby, and that's it. Uh, I do know that there are, or there is a updated version of the tracker that some users have access to, but not all users, where you see a picture of what the Pokemon is nearby, like on the Pokestops, where you see a picture of what it looks like. You'll see that, and then a Pokemon over it in the tracker, so you get a much more specific location. But you know, well, I think the case we made that is a better tracker. The fact that they removed a better system to input this very vague system where you just see yeah. grass is, uh, I think, a really poor step on their part. And it kind of killed the hype for a lot of people. It killed the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, would it last forever? Probably not. I think it's really hard to keep something like this going for so long, at least at the level they had. Yeah. But I think it could have lasted longer. Yeah, a lot of the early server stuff they alleviated really quickly, and that yeah. was really exciting. Yeah, but a lot of the mechanisms, right, it's addictive for sure. Period, but I, I was hoping that it would build a thing with like the player battle system or yeah. playing things that we love about the RPG aspects of traditional Pokemon. If they kept building that and utilizing the smartphone as a tool, um, I would be on it more. But at this point, yeah, I mean, they announced trading at um, one of the Comic Cons, I believe. Yeah, here we are, it's September 1st, or when I'm when we're recording this, yeah. and nothing. Yeah, so frustrations, they still have, I think, if they did add those updates. Um, I'll be more likely to play it again, but at this point, I'm just kind of waiting. I'm a yeah. little just frustrated. It's it's on my phone. <laughs> yeah, and like especially, I think one major thing, also one major deterrent, is unless you live in a major metropolitan area, you're at a disadvantage yeah. playing, right? The mechanism that they use to have Pokemon spawn, and that mechanism is solely dependent on like number of like cell phones being used in a certain area. I wish there was more being done to help balance it, where if you live in a suburban area, you can still just see Pokemon, or it still is engaging. Also, to the point of balancing, I mean, I think the core gameplay, the, the like, kind of like the metagame, I would almost say it's the metagame, is the gyms, because the, the core game really seems to be exploring and getting Pokemon, even though, you know, like, kind of like the point is to own gyms, but the gym battles are very tedious, and, yeah. like, you have to defeat one Pokemon, like, two or three times just to get the gym, then get your team to go there, and, you know, it makes sense in how they're doing it, but it's like... It is a big time commitment, and it's hard. When you have such quick gameplay, like just going and yeah. catching Pokemon, I almost feel like I should have just nixed gyms altogether. I wish it was more strategic, like more traditional Pokemon, where there are like turn-based moves, and you can think intently. Right now, I just see people standing at a Chipotle, like tapping their screen. Yeah, I've heard people just, just tap and pray for the best. Tap and pray. Yeah, and like that was not the beauty of original Pokemon, and maybe we're too much of the nostalgics, but like... I mean, there was value in that system. I get why they did it. I think the RPG elements can be a little much for some people, but... I think they, they might have gone too far in the other direction. It's, it's just repetitive, frankly. And when you climb the ladder a lot, you know, your high level's 25, 30. The Pokemon are essentially the same. They're just big, squishy targets for you to tap. It just takes forever. So, yeah. you know, there's not really that same element of strategic choices and things like that. It, it's yeah. just kind of like a numbers game. And it really just depends on, like, the time you pour in. There's no... The skill element is there, but it's yeah. much lesser. And, you know, even if we're just collecting Pokemon, I still like the game. I still think it's yeah. a fun thing to do. But their long-term plan for the game, I think, could be improved. Yeah, so we're going to keep it installed on our phones, uh, and we're hoping for those updates. Yeah. Um, but I'm definitely not playing as uh, as frequently as I did during the summer. Which was really interesting. Yeah, that was a lot of fun.
Um, I'll go with my uh, next purchase. And I, I kind of cheated because I had to go with the theme of the summer, but I bought it a couple of months right before the Fair summer enough. started for me. Um, but I bought the Logitech UE Boom, which was actually on Amazon Prime sale. I have the first generation model, which I'll have included. And mine's a superhero color theme, which Ooh. is the red with the blue speaker girls. Superman? Yeah, it's called a <laughs> Superman theme color. Um, but this is a Bluetooth speaker made by Logitech, which owns a company called uh, Ultimate Ears. Um, and they're actually just rated considerably by Wirecutter and The Birds as the best Bluetooth speaker. Um, and just in general, when you turn it on and you play music for the first time, you'll hear comments from people saying how great the speaker sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that much about sound. I'm not an audiophile, but I've been able to bring it to things like the beach on vacation. Um, and it's super durable. It's super easy to bring along. And it kind of just fills a room. You can have it at a party or at a barbecue. It's just a great overall speaker. And I thought for a while that I wasn't ready to invest that much money in something that I just had. But there's been so many times where they're like, oh, I wish I had music in the background. I wish we could play something. I could use Apple Music to play a barbecue playlist. And the Yui Boom kind of came perfectly. So I'm really happy with that purchase. It's also, I think, uh, I think somewhat water resistant or waterproof. So it's like perfect for the beach. Wow. I don't have a blue speaker myself, but I did have some roommates who had the Yui Boom. And I have to say, I was pretty impressed too, the sound quality that came out of it. And if I remember correctly, it's pretty reasonably priced even before a sale, which is, you know, considering the sound quality and the durability of the object. Um, so I would yeah. have to agree. I've been impressed with it in my limited experience as well. It seems like a great summer tech purchase. Yeah, and it's uh, one thing. There's many competitors on the field right now. There's a lot of copycats and a lot of just different brands trying to do it because it's, I guess it's pretty easy to manufacture a Bluetooth speaker, but I think it's pretty difficult to make a great durable, great sounding uh, Bluetooth speaker. And rather than just buying the dime a dozen speaker, it's good to invest and know that it's always reliable. Um, it's one of my favorite purchases this year, I, I want to say. Right. Um, and I definitely recommend anyone, especially in college, if you want to just play some music, just spend the $100. It's a great speaker. Um, and just look for sales on it, too. Speaking of favorite tech, um, this was actually my fir- favorite piece of tech in our first episode, I believe. But I did buy a second Dell U2515H monitor. Oh, that's set up. Yeah. So I, 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 bit the, I bit the bullet. I bought another one. And I'm, I'm pretty pleased with it. Uh, I'm trying to get another DisplayPort cable so I can daisy chain them together. I'm going to my MacBook with just that one cable. But um, I'm really happy with it. I really like the first one. Um, just to kind of go over my reasons again. The USB hub on the bottom. The easy switching between display inputs. And just the general design. Dell does that really great thing with the like, super thin bezels. Yeah. So now having two of them and that thin bezel in between, it's like having one giant, almost curved monitor, you know, because they're kind of at an angle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've been really happy with that. Uh, we'll see how it affects my productivity. I'm expecting positively. The desks they have, we have at school kind of hinder it a little bit because I'm not really centered. I'm more towards the side. But yeah. I still think it's, it, it's going to be good, and I'm pretty excited to use it. Do you, so do you use your laptop in clamshell mode, then, since you have so much screen real estate, or do you still use a third screen along with your two 25-inch monitors? Um, so <laughs> uh, maybe this is like going to speak to a little bit of my paranoia, but I usually, if it's, if it's low on battery, it's in clamshell. If it's not low on battery, I have it open and not charging, because clamshell won't work if it's not charging for a MacBook. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I, I like to keep it uncharged whenever possible because I feel like that's the best way to preserve the battery. I don't know if that's old wisdom or still relevant, but um, that's, I, yeah, I, I usually, like, bring it down to, like, 20% and then I charge it. And I, I like it shut, too. It's just nicer. Um, so that's generally what I do. And, like, do you use anything specific for helping you with window management? Because I feel like having that much screen real estate, 
Um, when I was at work and I had a 27-inch monitor, it was overwhelming when I was organize my windows and then shut down the computer, turn it back on, and I had to reorganize my way of thinking. Mm. Uh, truthfully, I haven't really done a ton with it. It's only the first week of school. We haven't had too much homework yet, so I can't say I have the most experience there. I've looked for some things, though. I've been trying to look into like, some programs that will make it one continuous screen as oh, opposed yeah. to two separate ones. And wallpapers, too, right? For and wallpapers, time. all that fun stuff. So I've been playing around with a few things, but at the moment, I'm pretty much just using it as a second screen. Um, I've also been playing with like putting my iPad underneath them, playing that in and using Duet, so maybe I could have like music controls there, and I'll have my two screens oh my for work. That's a little bit too much. I'm, like, I'm just thinking too many like, screens. Like too much over. Like, and I love screens too, but that's just very. I haven't long. done it. I haven't done oh, okay. it. I'm just you know hypotheticals here. But the desk setup. So maybe one day we talk about uh, more formal desk setups and do kind of like a battle stations kind of pose too. But oh yeah, and that uh, that tech makeover we want to do. Oh yeah, we have some ideas in the pipeline, but we're excited. Um, this has also been a summer for me for like setup, cable management, and things mm. like that too. So I'm excited to see your setup. I've seen a couple of pictures, but it'd be nice to maybe see it in person, kind of do analysis. Kind of a little teaser. Candace has been playing with some home automation stuff too. So uh, you know, some pretty light stuff, but I'm excited to see, and uh, we we'll definitely we will definitely have an episode on that. Yeah. Uh, but kind of going in line with um, your monitors is I went through kind of like this um, coming again moment with people <laughs> management. Coming again. Um, and it probably literally probably derived from a couple of subreddits like battle stations. Do you follow um, that now? The laptop one, yeah. And then like male living space. So these are all about like decor. Um, but male since, living space? Yeah. Have you ever looked at that? It's like, it's pretty much, I don't know why they call it male living space, because I think any gender can enjoy it, because I enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's But it's pretty much interior design, but it's for spaces for, I guess, guys, like, bachelor pads and stuff. But, like, how do you find good furniture? And a lot of times they show their desk. It's a core part of their decor. I see that, because I, I would, not to be stereotypical, but can I add, is there a female living spaces? I imagine it's just interior design, but I never looked. And I just feel like I'm not going to be interested. It might just be like, well, I, my guess would probably be, be a larger variety of rooms. Yeah, yeah. Rooms you might not be as interested in being so into tech. Yeah, and that's not my field, and there's a reason why I go on Reddit versus Pinterest, but that's another conversation that we <laughs> might have one day. That's just interesting. I, I was not familiar with that Reddit. Uh, it's, it's, if you don't, if you have, if you don't have four or five hours to waste, don't look at the top all-time posts of male living space. It's just a rabbit hole. Like same thing for battle stations. Mm -hmm. But anyway, that caused me to kind of get excited because this semester is my really first semester where I've lived permanently in a location. Um, previous last two years, I've been either working or studying abroad, um, so I've never been able to set up my desk permanently. I was fortunate enough to get an IKEA desk. Um, so just the two purchases that I really love are, first thing, it's really mundane. Um, but Velcro, the actual company <laughs> Velcro, sells this two-pack roll of Velcro uh, cable ties. And there's a hundred for like five or six dollars that you purchase on Amazon. Wow. Uh, and I've redone a couple of entertainment centers and a couple of my own desk and some other places too. Such a simple solution, I think it's the best one. Zip ties are too permanent, other solutions are too expensive. Velcro is brand name, it's functional, and it's durable. So I highly recommend that for anyone who's interested. Um, what you do is it um, kind of has a loop on one end and then the Velcro itself flips up. And you wrap it on You wrap it so. around and it, lit, it lives permanently on the cable, so even if you move the cable, the tie is still with it. And then you're able to cable tie it uh, you know, straight or tight. So um, I don't want to get too much into the theory here, but like, you know, how do you group the cables? Do you do like one yeah. omni-cable bundle that's just your cables plugged into the outlets on the wall? Or do you try yeah. to like, if your audio cables in one bundle, then your yeah. AV, then your power cables, or is there a method to the madness? Or do you just lump them all and try to keep it out of the way? I think it's kind of an art form where there's no real 
complete systematic way of thinking about it. Um, I'll try and include pictures in our show notes of my <laughs> wiring setup, but it was really just based on location. Um, the other product that I recommend is IKEA sells this tubing that goes around cables. Ooh. So once you start grouping the cables together and you see a general shape of like a whole bunch of cables coming from the left, the right, and the middle, then I use the tube so it all comes together to look a lot neater than a whole bunch of dangling mm, USB cables. That is nice. Um, so I think it's really dependent. I think a lot of the fundamentals also comes from a very flexible power strip. You know, you can really use one that has 12 ports and it has the adjustable things and it doesn't get affected by, you know, there's like power bricks. That is the fundamental core of a great cable setup. All starts with power strip. Yeah, the power strip, you can't skip out on the power strip. You want something that's good protection. It won't get your desk on fire. That's And key. then from there, the Velcro strips, IKEA tubing. Um, and then my last thing, which is another IKEA purchase, is an IKEA cable box. So if you Ooh. know the company Blue Lounge that makes Apple and Mac accessories and stuff? I'm actually not familiar now. So they make this box that is literally uh, a plastic box with a lid, and there's cutouts on both sides. And uh, sometimes it comes with its own power strip, sometimes it's not. Um, but for a box like this, and they can, they say it's quote unquote flame retardant, mm -hmm. uh, I don't really fully believe how effective it is. This box retails for Amazon for $25. So it's literally a plastic box. Interesting. With just the brand name on it. It is for you to like store. Yeah, so you put your power strip in it, and you feed all the cables into it, so it looks a little bit neater. Oh, and the I see the appeal. Exposed, right? Simple solution. I don't think it's worth twenty-five dollars. But um, do you I have one? IKEA sells an alternative uh -huh. for ten dollars, and so that's the last thing I recommend too. And so I bought one of these as well. That all the cables through the power strip fit perfectly, and now the desk looks a lot cleaner from underneath. Oh, man, I thought my setup was good, but I'll be honest with you. I have a spider's web behind my desk. My goal was literally get every cable behind that desk and forget about it. That's what I have right now. And I'll admit, I, I was a little embarrassed, but I had a lot of cables. I was like, let's just get it set up. Yeah. I'll deal with it later. It's been on my to-do list and I still haven't touched it. It's really bad. Just take a Saturday, listen to maybe a podcast of some sort. <laughs> and you, there's so much, for me, there's such inherent joy of taking chaos into order mm -hmm. and watching all these cables get bundled into your little and go crazy like labels. So when you redo the setup, you know where ooh, everything goes. But there is such a cleanness to a good cable setup. And if you ever do submit to battle stations or battle tops. Wait, you get grilled if it's not clean. Cable management is very important. I think it brings order and it even could be a safety hmm. safety issue. You want to make sure that everything is up to code. To code. OPEC standards. <laughs> That's funny. Um, okay. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps us up. Um, anything else you want to touch upon? Nope, I'm just glad to be back from summer. We're all looking very tan and well relaxed, but excited to be back talking with you and now Tiffany about technology and stuff. I needed an outlet and I'm ready to let it all out again. Definitely. It's been a long summer and I did miss the podcasting as well. I'm excited to be back and I think it'll be a good semester. A lot of good content. Looking forward to TikTok. A great TikTok. season of TikTok. An excellent season. All right. Well, that's everything. I'm going to close this out. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you can visit us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at Tic Tech Talk Show on Twitter and Instagram as well. And you can find us on Facebook with just a quick search. Uh, as always, we encourage you to subscribe. We're available on iTunes, Pocket Casts, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify. Did we ever get on there? Uh, unsure, but we will include the link if we are. If Spotify podcasts are up, you can check. Unfortunately, neither of us are using Spotify as our primary music listening service. Um, and we're also on, I think, on a couple other services as well, but those are the big ones. Um, you can follow me and Candice both on Twitter. I'm, I actually have to check what my Twitter handle is right now. But you can follow Candice at, at Candice Poon, and mine will be in the show notes. Um, and, yeah, please rate us. Send us comments if you have questions or comments. And uh, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Bye.